Hey, it's Kim Commando today, your daily podcast to keep you up to date with all things digital and beyond. And I'd love to have you be a part of our podcast. You can make an appointment to speak with me. Just head over to commando.com and on the top right, there's a button that says email Kim, fill that out and that's it. All right, so everybody's always talking about cryptocurrency, but imagine if you've got, well, $240 million, yes, worth of Bitcoin sitting on a hard drive, but you have forgotten the password. Yes, I said $240 million. Uh, there's this German programmer, guy by the name of Stefan Thomas. He's still trying to figure out how he can get this money. He was given $7,000 worth of Bitcoin uh, as a video 10 years ago that's now worth $240 million. So offers have been pouring in, like, you know, we can help you, we can help you, we can help you. But I was reading that he's um, a real fan of the movie Forrest Gump. I just wonder if he tried the password one forest one mm, okay i promise you they get better this hour and you see ladies and gentlemen just an example of all the fun that we have here week after week as we talk about living the best digital life ever i am of course america's digital pro kim commando here with you once again and you can find us on over 425 top stations from coast to coast and we're streaming in your favorite radio app and we're streaming as a podcast, as a webcast, um, to find all three hours, whenever you want, over at GetKim.com. And a special salute and thank you goes out to our servicemen and women in the Army, the Marines, the Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, and Space Force, who are protecting our great nation and listening to the Kim Commando Show on the American Forces Network Radio. And our T-Mobile Unlimited listener line is now open. Love to hear from you. one 825 All right. This is part of the show where I like to tell you about five things that are happening in future tech. And let's start with number one. And we're going to talk about Ford trucks. Okay. Right behind the Lightning F-150, there's been a return of the midsize Ranger. And now they even have a smaller pickup. I don't know if you've had, I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet, but it's actually quite pretty. It's a hybrid Ford Maverick. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that they have what's called inside fits. Of course, that's an acronym for Ford Integrated Tether System. Yes, fits. And basically, these are slots behind the center console and under the seat storage bins where you can attach accessories. Now, this is so smart. So there are eight of these fit slots throughout the truck's interior. Okay, so you can do potential add-ons and you can get fits compatible cup holders, bin dividers, grocery hooks from Ford. But what happened is, is that owners started 3D printing their own accessories for the fit slots, like phone mounts specifically made for the make and model that they have. There are custom-sized cup holders, um, dog water bowls, tray tables, you name it. So now Ford is making this print-your-own accessory process easier by making CAD files available online so anyone can download, anyone can print these. And they come with ideas along with measurements and clearances for each slot. Uh, you can share your custom accessories and it's something to keep in mind that roughly 85% of Fords sold over the past 20 years are still on the road. The other 15% have made it to their destination. Whew, a tough crowd. Okay, number two, the future of VR may not be so top heavy. All right, so when you start looking at VR, these virtual reality headsets like the Oculus or the MetaQuest 2, they're massive and they're big and bulky. And I would expect over the next five you know, five, three to five years that they're really going to get smaller and streamlined. But the reason why I bring this up is that Motorola has this new 5G neckband. Yes. And they say it's known to, it's, it's out there so that it would take off some of the load from these VR and AR headsets known as XR. I know everything has a 
acronym name and tech. But anyway, here's the bottom line. It's a plastic net band, and it has a Snapdragon processor, a battery, touchpad, SIM card slot speakers, and other tech like an accelerometer and 5G. So the whole idea is that we're going to take this, this overhead off of the VR headset, and so that this way... Uh, the VR headset can be smaller and thinner and lighter, but we still have the technology because the other tech is around our neck. Um, it really makes sense, and I'm hoping that someday that does come to fruition. Uh, number three, wow, I'm super excited with this because I'm a real car gal, you know that. Um, it's about time. Who can forget the iconic DeLorean sports car that cemented itself into pop culture? I'm talking about Back to the Future. Uh, it was really only success that this one car had. It was known as the DMC-12. Uh, 9,000 were built, a little fun fact, before the original DeLorean Motor Company Northern Ireland went bankrupt a few years before Back to the Future even came out. I've actually spoken to the CEO and the founder of this DeLorean Motor Company that's based in Texas. Uh, when I had conversation with them about a year or so ago, they were trying to restore existing DeLoreans and crank out other cars. Uh, but last weekend, in one of these blink and you're going to miss it, Super Bowl pregame ads, it was a 15-second spot with a tagline, the future was never promised. And then you saw this silhouette of a front of a car with electricity passing over the hood, doors that open upward just like the classic. I'm just a huge fan of Goldwing doors. Anyway, the DeLorean Motor Company pops up on the screen and the web address to its site where people can sign up for more information. But... Here's what we have. An all-electric DeLorean is on the way. An all-electric DeLorean. Wow, wouldn't that be something? I mean, if I had the car made famous in Back to the Future, I'm telling you, I would save that car. I would only drive it from time to time. Uh, number four, yes, we are going to have more headlights flashing in our eyes. Hmm. A few days ago, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration issued a rule that now allows for adaptive driving beam headlights in the U.S. Uh, other words, smart headlights. The sensors adapt to the level of LED light based on driving conditions. For instance, more light will be focused on dark areas. So that means they say you're going to get a better view of anybody in the street, people on bikes, who may have been harder to see otherwise. So these smart headlights are going to provide more light in those situations. And it's actually not new. It's just taken a long time to get it here in the United States. They're already common in Canada and uh, Europe, as a matter of fact. But according to research by the American Automobile Association, European cars with these smart headlights increase roadway lighting by about 85% when compared to these run-of-the-mill low-beam headlights that we currently have now in our cars. But the sooner the better. I mean, I will tell you, I am sick of oncoming drivers not realizing that their brights are on. I mean... I am done being blinded by the light. Number five, sight for old eyes. I love it when technology can make a difference on somebody's life. I'm talking about their health. And it was a medical milestone this past week in the United Kingdom. Surgeons at a London hospital successfully completed the country's first ever bionic eye transplant. Listen to this. Patient was an 88-year-old woman who suffered from macular degeneration, age-related, and to help correct the condition, restore some of her vision, a two-millimeter microchip was implanted right into her retina. Wow. The next part involves camera-equipped glasses that transmits video of the surroundings to the tiny microchip, which is then processed, amazing to me, electrical signals sent to the woman's brain. Now, the glasses only work when directly connected to a small computer for now, and they say 
More tests are expected. But get this. Her grandchildren, they're calling her the bionic nana. Isn't that funny? Bionic Nana. That's great. Um, But really, you shouldn't stress about your eyesight failing as you get older. I mean, it's nature's way of protecting you from the shock, really, as you walk past the mirror. I remember I went to the Mayo Clinic, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my eyes, I just can't see as well as before. And the doctor was like, oh, well, Kim, you know, let me see. So they give me all those tests and everything. And I said, so what do you think? I mean, what's going on? And he looks at me and goes, Kim... You got 40-itis. I'm like, 40-itis? He's like, yes. As soon as you turn 40, dang, your eyes, they start going downhill. Really? Okay, you need to have more. Just kidding. Um, You know, everybody thinks that you should have 10,000 steps a day. I mean, where did that come from anyway? I mean, is it better to have 12,000 steps? Do you get to the same health benefits if you do 7,000 steps a day? Well, still to come, I'm going to tell you about the best number of steps, the optimum number of steps that you should be taking every single day. And of course, we have more of your phone calls here on this Coast to Coast broadcast of the Kim Commando Show. You can count on three things, death, taxes, and your car breaking down. It does. I can't do anything about the death and taxes, but I trust CarShield to protect me against unexpected auto repairs. Now, CarShield's protection plans are only around 100 bucks a month, and they cover more parts than ever before. So whether your car has 5,000 or 150,000 miles, you need CarShield. And I love this. When you need a repair, there's no paperwork or headaches. This happened to me. Really, truly did. I had a car needed $4,000 worth of repairs. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then I was like, hey, I got car shield. I mean, all I did was just give the dealership the car shield number, and then they took care of everything. I mean, once you choose the mechanic to do the work, the car shield administrators handle the rest. Plus, you can count on car shield to help take care of you when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road because every protection plan includes coast-to-coast roadside assistance, rental car options, and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. So, don't waste. Don't wait. Get coverage today. Lock in your price and it'll never go up at carshield.com slash Cameron. Call 800-391-8888 to save 10% on your plan. That's carshield.com slash Kim or call 800-391-8888 to save 10%. Our T-Mobile Unlimited listener line is now open at one 825 Once again, it's the way to join us. And if you haven't checked out one of our fantastic new newsletters. Oh my gosh, you're so missing out. Exclusive links, exclusive videos, exclusive news. Note the word exclusive. It's exclusive to you and, well, hopefully a million other people very shortly. And if you're not already getting the current, you know, sign up right now. It's free. There's no ads. You're going to love it. Just comes out twice a week on Saturdays and on Tuesdays. But you have to go to this place to get it. Getthecurrent.com. Once again, that's getthecurrent.com. Uh, Scott in Davenport, Iowa. Hello there, Scott. Glad to have you with us today. Hey, thanks, Kim. Long-time listener, and I don't know why I haven't called you sooner. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that myself. I've been missing you. You know, you don't send me a card, no birthday presents, no Valentine's Day cards. Come on, Scott. Where have you been? Dang. I'll I'll do better. All right. I hope so. Okay. How can I help you out? Uh. Since the kids have been born in the 2000s, I had a small, compact Sony camcorder, and it has these little three-inch, I think, DVD-R discs. I had one of those. 
And then what I had, I, yeah. Oh yeah. When it was, yeah. it was really sweet at the time where right? it was great. Cause we didn't have to have those bulky camcorders. Right. You know, it's just these little yeah, yeah. The problem is I don't know how to play them because the camcorders broken. So I can't wire that to a TV. And I ordered something on Amazon to play these three inch discs and, our laptop didn't read it. And none of the computers we have today have disc players. So my question to you is how do I, I went to the geek squad. They didn't know how to transfer the data. So how do I get these 30 or 40 discs? I have with all these home videos transferred or saved or in a media that we can watch and, and, and keep moving forward. Can you help me with that? Um, yes, yes, I can. Um, yes, all hope is not lost. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, all right, there. You know, there are services that will do it for you, uh, like Legacy Box and iMemories. It gets pretty pricey, especially if you're looking at 25 to 40 discs. But it's up to you. You know, uh, if you want to pay. But if you don't want, do you want to pay or not? Uh, if it comes down to that, I don't want to lose these. Are you know all the memories from the kids growing up? So I'll sure. Uh, I'll well, do uh, you know, I have to. Okay. Well, you know, so there's a. So you say the camcorder doesn't work. All right. Sure. But here's one of the beautiful things that you can do is that um, you can buy one of these handy cam, it was like a DCR DVD, whatever that model number was. Uh, and these were called mini DVD camcorders, right? So you can go onto uh, eBay and you can buy a used one. And a lot of people are doing this now. They're buying them, they're using them just to transfer the videos over to their computers so that you don't lose these precious memories, right? And then when you get done, you put it back on eBay and you sell it for the next person to do it. And so a couple of ways you can do it is that you, um, you buy the camcorder and then you can, you know, set up a screen and you can use your phone to record the videos if that's what you want. Or you can buy it and then you can buy an adapter that will hook up uh, this old Sony DVD camcorder up to your computer. And so it'll read it that way. Then, of course, you need some good photo, you know, video editing software once you get it in there because you're not going to want to save everything, right? And then as soon as you get the whole project done, then it's, you know, what I would do is I would create a, uh, a private YouTube channel and upload all these videos up to YouTube and then share them out that way. Yeah, you're going to buy an old one on, on, on eBay. You can find, I mean, they're, they're not expensive. They're like 50, 60 bucks, something like that. And then you're going to need an adapter, and I'll, I'll find the adapter for you on Amazon, and I'll give you a link to that. And as well as I'll throw some links for some uh, video editing software up too. So this way if you want to edit yeah. the videos. And then afterwards, um, I will put a link to, the, uh, YouTube, to a tip on how to create a private YouTube channel. So that this way the kids can take a look at them and then they can save certain parts. They can download them to their devices or whatever they want to do with it, right? Because it's not like we're going to mail them a DVD in the mail anymore, right? So, um, so, so you know, it's, it's not an easy project, okay? I mean, this isn't like, I mean, I just answered your call and told you how to do this in about three minutes. But it's going to take you longer than that, okay? So just, yeah. <laughs> just, wanted, just wanted to give you a little warning with that. It's, it's, a, it's a big process. It really is. And, um, but you have to get them, you got to get them off of this old storage stuff now because, you 
you know, at some point, maybe too long, too late to, to even get that back at some point, just because these discs, they don't last forever. So I'll post a whole bunch of links for you, Scott, over inside the Commando community. That's commando.com slash community. And thanks again for your call. Hey, this portion of the show has been brought to you by RoboForm. If you're tired of writing down passwords, you don't have to do that anymore. RoboForm Password Manager makes life easier and more secure by logging you into websites with just one click. And you can get 50% off at RoboForm.com slash Kim. That's RoboForm.com slash Kim. All right, so 10,000 steps a day, yes, that's a good baseline. Now, what happens if you do 12,000 steps? Is it better for you? No. What research has found is that if you can do at least 7,000 steps a day, you are 70% less likely to die than anybody else over the next 10 years. So get those steps in and stay right where you are. More of the show is coming right up. Hey, if you're looking for something to watch, don't miss Netflix documentary, The Tinder Swindler. Wow, it is something, especially if you're a woman doing any type of online dating. It's a true story about an Israeli man by the name of Simon Leviev. Over five months, he swindled women on Tinder out of at least $10 million. You're not going to believe this. He romanced them on private jets to exotic, distant places and hotels. A date would last two or three days. Then he would tell them that he was a Mossad agent posing as a diamond merchant. Oh my gosh. Then a few days later, the women received desperate texts and calls claiming that Simon was in big trouble and foreign enemies who wanted to kill him. And then the swindle. Please send money. And you're not going to believe this. These women would send him like, I mean, $10,000, $200,000. It's crazy. They would open a credit card in his name and then send him the card and then, obviously, he was romancing other women using the money from previous women, but you really have to see it to believe it. It's called The Tinder Swindler, and it's on Netflix. All right, one of the highlights of my week is getting to speak with really smart people inside the tech industry. And when data breaches and major hacks happen, you probably hear the term like dark web marketplace, right? But what exactly is the dark web? And why aren't these marketplaces there? And why can't the government shut down? And who are all these hackers? I mean, the dark web is part of the internet simply that cannot be easily accessed or visited. And these dark websites aren't registered with search sites. They're often encrypted. Uh, you need a special anonymized browser. And it's intriguing, this dark web. But what you can find there, it's no laughing matter. We're talking about hitmen, drugs, breach databases, ransomware as a kit. Well, recently I sat down with a top-notch cybersecurity expert and researcher, Victor Benjamin, who's also a professor at Arizona State University, to talk about the dark web. Here, take a listen. Okay, so so the password drill is the same, and two-factor authentication. You want to set that up on all your accounts. And you want to be smart. You want to have security software. Uh and you want to make sure that you're not going to phishing websites and responding to scammers. I mean, gosh, there's just so much that the average consumer mm -hmm. needs to remember. Is, are, is there one particular point of failure that you see time and time again? Uh, usually the user is too trusting, right? Uh, and Or uh, the, not paying attention to details and slips up and, and gets into something they shouldn't. Uh, but, you know, one thing that would help most users a lot that I don't see them practicing today is to practice maybe using two separate browsers. Uh, so one browser, personally, I like to use one browser for all of my uh, personal confidential stuff like banking and all that. 
and another browser for uh, my general internet surfing. And the reason why I make this suggestion is that there are an increasing amount of vulnerabilities that are browser-based, um, such as getting uh, JavaScript code to run without, uh, you know, a server could get JavaScript code to run on your local computer without you really authorizing that code to run. And that could lead to vulnerabilities within that browser uh, space. So separating your online activities by browsers helps mitigate some of that where if one browser gets compromised, hopefully it was not the browser that you use to log in uh, to sensitive websites and it may have your passwords cached or something like that, right? Uh, so that um, can help a lot. But beyond that, just practicing good uh, internet habits, paying attention to um, URLs that, you, you, that you're not getting fished, uh, make sure that you're you know, on a legitimate website. Uh, it just takes a level of uh, awareness, I'd say. Are, are, are there specific browsers that you recommend that you use? Uh, so they're all pretty decent today. Uh, I guess the standards are, you know, if you're on um, Windows, uh, it comes packed with Edge. Internet Explorer, Safari on iOS. I also like Google Chrome and Firefox, uh, but those aren't the only ones. Uh, I think a lot of the browsers are uh, kind of converging on the, the base technology they're using. And so they're actually all becoming fairly similar aside from their um, front-end interface, how it looks to the user. But nonetheless, just using two separate browsers, um, you know, it, it uh, has a different directory structure on your computer and um, code will interact with the browsers independently and they won't cross over. So having to... You know, that, that's, that's pretty smart. It's amazing. And so wherever you get your podcasts, get Kim Commando Explains. So whether you're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora, again, wherever you get your podcasts, just search for Kim Commando Explains. That's with Commando with a K, of course. All right, it's time now for a really fabulous tip. We're going to talk about trading in your own gear and getting cash, your old gear, rather. And this week is brought to you by iDrive. With so many of us still working from home, here's a friendly reminder about just how important it is to back up your data. Because let's face it, losing all your precious family photos or critical business documents due to a hard drive failure, it can be devastating. That's why I've recommended iDrive for years and years, because they have this safe and secure cloud backup. And it's fast, it's easy to use, it's affordable, and it includes this generous storage that can be used to back up all of your devices. I'm talking about your PCs, your Macs, your servers, your smartphones, and more. All into one account, and all at one low price. With their military-grade encryption, and I'm talking about state-of-the-art security, you can rest assured that your data is safe, it's secure, and you can easily automate backups so you never have to worry about losing access to your important data or running out of space. And what's fabulous is that plans start at less than $7 a month. And right now, when you use my name, Kim, at checkout, you're going to get 90% off of your first year. Just go to iDrive.com and use my name, Kim. That's iDrive.com, and you want to use promo code Kim. All right, take a look around your house. Do you have any old gadgets sitting around that you're just not using anymore? I mean, trading them in can get you a decent Amazon credit or a discount on your next purchase. You can even swap tech gear that no longer works. Start at the Amazon trade-in page. Find your device, answer questions about the condition of the device, and then you're going to get a trade-in value. Amazon even gives you a free shipping label. So let's say you have an old Amazon Echo speaker you don't use anymore. If it works, you get 25 bucks. Even if it doesn't work, they're still going to give you $5. An iPhone 10 from five years ago, you can get up to $150. If you have a newer model, maybe $200, maybe $500. And just be sure to wipe 
the device to erase all your personal information. And when Amazon receives your old device, they're going to credit your account for the trade-in amount. And if you don't agree with the amount, Amazon's going to mail it back to you. Or if you live near an Amazon Books or you break it, I fix it, you can actually take the gear in to trade it there. And just a really, really fabulous tip. So if you have anything old laying around, you need some money, take a look at the Amazon trade-in program. And back to the phones we go with Jay in Santa Monica, California. Hello there, Jay. Hi, Kim. How are you? Good. What's going on? Okay. I um, have been, uh, you know, working with different uh, websites and apps, <clears throat> and they this thing about two-factor um, authentication, which I know that you um, you promote. Um, but what I noticed is that instead of using the authenticator apps, which I thought were more secure, they all seem to rely on sending me a text. And right. I thought that that was more dangerous. So my question is, how can I get these entities to use the authenticator app, either the Google one or the, I think there's one called OTP. And by the yeah, way, I've I, been, I, I've, I've been oh, uh, a fan of yours since at least 2009. <laughs> oh, well, thank so we you, go Jay. Back. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, just like the last guy, where's my birthday present? Where's my cars? Where's my flowers? Just, come on. I mean, you've been my, my guy for all these years and yeah. you don't pay up. Yeah, Tell me I know, what's going right? on. <laughs> I, you know, I like the Google Authenticator app. And just so that everybody's on the same page with us, Jay, let me just back up just a few seconds, mm -hmm. is that when you, when you sign in from a different browser, a different IP address, a different device, is that if you have two-factor authentication uh, you know, set up, is that you're going to get a text or an email with a six-digit code, and you got to type in that six-digit code or whatever it may be, and so that this way you can log into your account. Now, the problem is, is that with all of these smishing attacks and uh, SIM attacks and, you know, anything else that a hacker's coming up with now, right? I mean, you know, a different day, different scam, it seems like, mm -hmm. is that somebody can intercept your phone number and duplicate your phone number. Yes. And so this way they will be getting your email or your text messages. And so you don't actually, they, they can log in as you because they get that two-factor authentication text. So the whole idea is that we're going to take that out of the equation and we're going to use what's called an authenticator app. And so you'll get uh, an instantaneous code from Google and that you that it doesn't rely on a text or an email. Okay. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes, yes oh. I think so. Okay, <laughs> all right. Okay. I understand. So, <laughs> all right, good. All right. So then we have, uh, if you can't find the way for you to use the Google Authenticator app, it's, there's no real workaround because their security system is not set up for it. But Got I'm it. hoping that as more people start realizing that two-factor authentication isn't as sweet as we all thought it was, and maybe it was 15 years ago, that it um, that we're better off using the uh, an authenticator app. Um, let me do this. Let me put together a list with links for say like the top ten to twelve, fifteen websites mm -hmm. where where you can use the Google Authenticator app because, like I mentioned, sometimes it gets to be very difficult to find it because you have to hunt for it. Yes. And you're like, what's going on with that? That doesn't <clears throat> always make sense. So let me put that together, and we'll put that out probably as a, a tip of the day. Uh, do you get the newsletters? Yes, I do. All right. I so get we'll all put, of them. <laughs> yay! We love that. Okay. Um, even though you don't send me flowers. I no, know. I know. 
It's, it's a tough one. It's a tough yeah. one. But anyway, um, Jay, Jay, thanks for your call. And for everybody, if you don't get the tip of the day newsletters, and if you had total that goldfish look on your face when I was talking about the Google Authenticator app and two-factor authentication, make sure that you get our tip newsletters. And you can sign up by heading over to commando.com slash subscribe. And then, by the way, if you haven't done that for a while, you know, if you just get one newsletter, if you get four or five, every single person who gets a newsletter has an account. That's right. You have an email account uh, that's associated with that over at commando.com. So this way you can pick and choose for your newsletters. You can give us your preferences, too, because if we know that you want more Windows stuff, we're going to make sure that we send you more Windows stuff and Apple or Android. And so whatever it may be. I mean, had some guy tell me this last, past week in an email, it's like, all you do is talk about Apple stuff. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you want to get all three hours of the Kim Commando show, you can get it as a webcast and also as a podcast, a couple of places. If you like to use Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to the Kim Commando show there, but you have to search for the Kim Commando show. Okay. Or if you want to get the webcast as well as use our interactive chat room, head over to getkim.com. Once again, that's getkim.com. And back to the phones we go. Uh, Jeff in Kingman, Arizona. Hi there, Jeff. Hi, how's it going? What an honor, Kim. Oh, well, thanks for your call. How can I help you? Well, I'm, uh, uh, I'm new to the, new-ish to the internet and still working my way through the getting my hat handed to me phase. And, uh, although my, my, uh, Web designer and I just put up a Google Ads uh, account this morning. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm laid off at the gold mine, uh, local gold mine, and say hi to my buds out there. We're going to get back to work. And uh, I'm looking. I've got the greatest product in the world called called Ormus that I build and have a special proprietary system for, and uh, absolutely fantastic product. But what I need to do is I'm looking for the best bang for the buck in the digital world to get a business started. And uh, what are your recommended recommendations on that? Well, if you have a product to sell, if you build a website, um, they just won't yeah. come. Okay. I mean, just because you build a website doesn't mean that people will actually find it and see it. Okay. Right. And, and that's, that's the big problem. So if you want to get your product up there on a website up and running, I mean, using these sites like Wix um, or even GoDaddy has one, and there's also Squarespace, is that they give you the templates so that you can get up and running. You can also sell products. So you don't have to have all these individual components. And so it's I get Wix.com if you're trying to sell a product. That's probably who I recommend because then you can – uh, you can use a company like Spotify, or not Spotify, <laughs> isn't that funny? Shopify, they all sound the same. Uh, Shopify in order to get the orders there. Now, keep in mind too, Jeff, that if you have a product okay. to sell, is that you can sell your product on Amazon. I mean, you don't have to be a big company to sell products on Amazon. And the thing about Amazon.com is that, you know, that's where everybody's shopping. And if they want to search for whatever you're selling, that's where they can find it. Well, we're going to do a tip about this. So make sure that you get our newsletters. And thank you for your call today, sir. All right. Have you ever wondered if someone has blocked your phone calls? Well, there are a few telltale signs. Okay. For example, when you call a person and you hear like an unusual number of rings before getting voicemail, well, that's a normal call. But if the person has blocked you, here is the big indicator. You only hear one ring before being diverted to voicemail, just one ring. Now, there are a few caveats. Of course, we're always talking about technology. An unusual ring pattern doesn't absolutely mean that your number is blocked. It could be that the person is 
just talking to someone else at the same time you're calling and they have their phone off maybe, or maybe they're sending the calls directly to voicemail because they're busy. But if you make a call and immediately receive an automated message along the lines of the customer is unavailable, that's right, the customer is unavailable, that person's wireless carrier probably blocked you. They actually called their carrier and said, I need to block this number forever. The person asked them to do it. But I guess, you know, you could always email them if you actually have to talk to them. Hey, thanks for joining us for all three hours of the Kim Commando Show. And just a quick reminder is that you can always find me 24-7 over at commando.com. And that address is simple. It's K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Now you're in for a special treat. I had a chance to sit down with Peter Membry. He works for ExpressVPN, and he's their chief engineer for VPN technologies. And we dispel the myths all about VPNs. Yeah, is a free one better than a paid one? And what do you give up? And can your ISPs really see everywhere you go? And when do you really need to use a VPN? So sit back and enjoy. And I bet you're going to learn a few things. There are so many different security myths, things that people have believed for years, but, you know, time moves on and you can't believe everything that you used to believe because this is the way the technology just keeps going forward. And joining us is Pete Member. He's the chief engineer for a really popular VPN, ExpressVPN. Hi there, Pete. Glad to have you with us. It's great to be here. So let's talk about some myths when people start looking at their security of their devices and their gadgets. And of course, we all know about, you know, the big passwords always one, two, three, four, five, six. Right. And then people say, I'm going to get really clever and go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Right. And then or password or let me in. And I've always wondered, like, why people didn't do like six, five, four, three, two, one as a password. But of course, you know, passwords are just one of those things that we need to deal with in our lives. Which leads us to the first myth that I've always heard is that people think they don't need to use security software. They don't need to use a VPN because they think, well, you know, I don't really have anything worth protecting. So why would I even need to have security software? What do you say to that myth? Well, this this myth has been going on for a a very long time. Um, It was very popular, particularly for um, government agencies and schools back in the day where they would basically say, well, why do I need security? I mean, you know, I've got nothing of interest. Nobody wants what I have. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm, I'm just a school. Who could possibly be interested in me? And what people tend to forget is uh, attackers don't see you as um, potentially an individual or, or a company. Um, what they see is a resource, right? So they get onto your uh, machine. They can use you know, your credit card. They can use your email account. They can, um, you know, Use your shopping accounts, like say on Amazon and stuff like that. Um, and in, in more modern times, of course, um, they use people's machines to mine bitcoins or to attack other people. So they're not really interested in who they attack so much. They're more interested in what resources they can get access to that they can leverage for even, even you know, even bigger attacks potentially. You know, and that's a that's a really good point because it's not necessarily that you have nothing to protect. It's the ability to use what you already have to launch other ancillary attacks or to use to do DDoS or whatever it may be, which also leads to another myth. Is that it's kind of the same line, Pete, is that I've heard, well, you know, gosh, I know my data's already out there on the dark web, so what's the big deal? I mean, why do I need to protect my credit card number? Because somebody could go buy it on the dark web for 50 bucks. 
Yeah. Um, again, it's the, it's a similar sort of um, a scenario where uh, people take the more passive approach where, well, what can I do anyway? Right. Mm -hmm. It's probably already out there. Um, anybody could get it if they wanted to. You know, and every time I go shopping, everyone sees my credit card. So, you know, someone's probably <laughs> written it down. Um, and it's certainly possible. But at the same time, of course, maybe it's not, hasn't been leaked. It's not available. Right. Um, and it's the sort of vigilance, if you like, that helps ensure that it doesn't become available. Um, this is particularly important because in a lot of, um, say, like jurisdictions that, you know, if your credit card's been stolen or used without your knowledge, um, you're not liable for that, right? Mm -hmm. You get that back under, say, fraud insurance. But if you haven't been protecting it, if you have been leaving it out for everybody to see and you're know, not doing, you know, at least the, the basics to keep yourself safe, um, then, you know, the, the, the bank or whoever actually has a pretty good case to not protect you in that scenario because they can say that, you know, you were negligent. You didn't take care of your stuff. Right. To the best of my knowledge, that's not a common a common theme for banks, but it is certainly something they could do. And when people, you know, stop taking kind of protection of their own stuff, you know, it, it's very easy to take that to the extremes where you start saying, "Well, it doesn't matter if people know my Netflix password." And well, okay, you know, I, I let my friend use my email account, but you know, what's the problem there? They're not going to leak it anywhere. <laughs> Um, but maybe they wrote it down on a piece of paper or something yeah, right. you know, after the coffee shop. Like you, you, you just don't know. Because of that, you do take you. you, know, you should take care. You should do the um, the due diligence and you know, look after your stuff because um, the easier uh, a target you are, the it's far more likely that someone will get hold of your things and obviously will take advantage of them. You know, which also leads to another myth that I've heard. People will say to me, well, I don't really need security software because I only go to mainstream sites. So what could possibly happen to me when I'm at a news site or I'm on Amazon or I'm on Facebook? Or, and so I don't really need to worry about anything. Yeah, I mean, th this comes back to the, you know, what you were saying originally about people. Well, well I have nothing to hide, right? I don't, I don't have anything to hide. Why do I need to use a, a VPN? Why do I need security in that sense? It's not so much to do with um, you know, what could possibly go wrong for you browsing, say, Facebook, but ISPs or other networks that can be monitoring your data um, can see where you're going and can put you know, two and two together and, and figure out either um, more ad advanced um, marketing techniques, for example, um, or just you know, your own personal habits. Right? They sure. can see things that you, know, you just wouldn't necessarily want people to know, right? It's not necessarily that it's bad, but it's private. Right. And, and, and we, don't, we don't really have too much privacy anymore. I mean, it all goes, I mean, I'm sure it's happened to you. It's happened to me. You're having a conversation. Mine was, I wanted to go hiking in Patagonia. And I was just talking to my family about hiking in Patagonia. And then I, sure enough, I go on my computer and I see ads for hiking in Patagonia. And, and it's not necessarily that Facebook is listening. And and of course, everybody says, oh, Facebook is listening. You know, it could be a third party app that you've put on your phone and you've agreed to let it listen. And then Facebook buys that data. And I mean, it's just it's just this whole cycle of information, this data sharing that that's going on. Um, you know, when you mentioned VPNs and 
And just for the sake so everybody's on the same page, virtual private network, it's a, a tunnel that all of your data travels through. Since you're the chief engineer of a VPN company, tell us your definition of a VPN. Um, so for me, a VPN means that um, I, I can use the internet safely um, and use it freely, you know, the way I want, I would want to use it without having to be constantly looking over my shoulder, you know, and wondering who's, you know, seeing what or where my data is going. Um, and that freedom of usage um, is, I think, really what defines uh, what we do at, at ExpressVPN. It's, yes, we give you internet security, but it, it's also um, the, the, the safety, the, the need not to fear, you know, looking over your shoulder, um, that people aren't looking at what websites that you're, you're browsing and so on. So, yes, it's definitely, it's a, it's a tunnel and it moves all your data safely from um, your machine um, to our servers where obviously we provide security and anonymity. Um, but ultimately, it, it's, it's that safety that we're looking at. Sure. So VPN is really a means to, the, to an end in that we want to give you um, the safest experience that you can possibly have. And it's so easy to, to use a VPN, but not all VPNs are this easy. Uh, one of the myths that we always hear about VPNs, and, and I think this was the case years ago, but it's still moving forward, is that when you're using a VPN, it will slow your use of the internet down incredibly because of the way that the VPN works, which is not yep. necessarily the case anymore. Yes, I mean, one of the most popular um, VPN tools out there is OpenVPN. It's been around for 20 years. Um, it has a, a you know, really solid security record. And um, you know, it's worked really, really well for us. But we have to remember that it was designed for a very different era. This was designed for the days when you had you know, desktops on desks, and you <laughs> had modems, and you had like fixed lines. Um, and back then, I mean, you know, speed wasn't a problem, right? You had you had dial-up. Oh so even yes. you know, your most most powerful um, <laughs> or slowest VPNs, it, it just wouldn't be something you would even notice. Um, and of course, as time has moved on, our, our needs have changed, right? So um, one of the things we did with Lightway when um, I, I worked on that was to say, well, you know, things are different now. Like internet is mobile first, right? You know, it's, it's in your pocket. Um, and you don't have network stability. You're going to be on cell, then you're going to go to Wi-Fi, then back to cell. You're going to go from 5G to 4G and back again constantly. And so we actually focused on you know, redesigning it with, with the, the current internet in mind. And because of that sort of that new approach, um, often not only do we not slow your internet connection down significantly, um, but in many real-world cases, we actually make the internet faster for you. Which is you know, hard to believe, but it does, but it is actually true. Um, another myth is that when you're using a VPN is that you can be anonymous, but you're never really truly anonymous on the internet. No, um, back in the, the very old days, um, you know, the IP address was pretty much your identity. And if you could hide that, you pretty much were anonymous back in the day. Um, but when we built things like, um, well, simple things like online shopping carts, 
um, it became necessary to start tying things together so that you could buy. Sure. You, know, you could put something into your shopping cart and you could add more than one thing and you could actually place an order. Um, and from that point onwards, the IP address was um, no longer something, you know, the only thing that you had to worry about. Um, now there was, you know, well, cookies and websites <laughs> and doing yes. other sorts of tracking. Um, and it's important, I think, to note that the reason this stuff originally came about um, back before the internet was really commercialized, um, this was just necessary to make those basic things just work. You needed some sort of mechanism. Um, but today, those mechanisms can obviously be taken um, too far. But even if your IP was anonymized, so like, you know, the website can't see your IP address, if you're still logged into your Facebook account and you go to Facebook, like Facebook's going to know, sure. you know who you are. And, and same for you know, Google and same for pretty much any application. Um, because we've long gone from the days where you know, an IP was actually something that really meant you know, it was you. Right. So again, if you're using your phone and again, you're going between cell and you're going between um, Wi-Fi, your IP address is changing. It'd be very inconvenient if, you know, you went onto Wi-Fi and then half your app stopped working. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we so we actually expect this from our systems. We expect them to be able to cope with all these weird scenarios um, and they do really well. But that means they have to, to track you. They have to know, um, you know, who you really are. So. A lot of these sites um, are actually only interested in you in terms of a profile. Like they want to know what you search for, for example, so that they can show you things you're more likely to buy. They're not really interested in who you personally are. They just want to show you things you're going to hopefully click on. Um, obviously, with things like Facebook, it gets even more targeted, right? Because now, you know, the system knows um, your 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 name, your your social group, your age. They know everything. States, it knows all this stuff about you. I mean, and I think we happily feed it. That yes. I mean, you know, I think Facebook will serve you an ad for a cereal that you dreamt of the night before. I mean, it's just yeah. so much stuff that they keep track. You know, another thing that I always hear about VPNs, Pete, is that, you know, there are so many good free VPNs. And of course, anytime yeah. anything is free, uh, you are the product. I mean, Facebook is free because you're the product. Google's free because you're the product. I mean, whatever it is, if it's free, you're the product. So what exactly do people give up when they're using a free VPN? Um, it was like you said, I mean, running something like Facebook costs hundreds of millions of dollars a month. Um, and if you're not paying for that, someone is, and someone is getting their money's worth. So, you know, they're, they're almost definitely using your information for things. And you know, of course they're using it for advertising. Um, with free VPN, uh, it can be one of many things. Um, when you use a VPN, um, trust is really, really important because whilst a VPN hides um, you know, what you're connecting to from your ISP, um, it also puts it into a point where you know, that free VPN provider can, can see that those things, right? And so they can record those things um, and they can see where you're going. They can also do things like sell your bandwidth. So, you know, they start um, using you as a, a reverse VPN almost. So you're on the VPN, you know, and your phone's on the table um, and it's off browsing random things because, you know, strangers on the internet are using your phone as an internet connection. Um, and often these things don't even provide an actual VPN. Um, they say you're connected, but many of them don't actually connect you to anywhere. 
um, all they're interested in is seeing what flows past, and then they just kind of, you know, um, allow it out via your normal internet connection. So you really don't have any um, any sort of um, guarantees of any sort of safety, and it's really important to understand, like like you said, you know, if you're not paying, you're the product, right? And you know, when you're doing something with a, a VPN. Um, you're expecting a certain level of, of trust. You're expecting a certain level of privacy. And these free VPN companies um, are just not incentivized to to give you that. It's not sure. in their interest to give you that um, because, again, you're the product. And if they want to make their money's worth, they're, they're you know, going to have to, you know, um, take advantage of that. One of, one of the things that I love about ExpressVPN is that it truly is easy to use. I mean, I remember when you wanted to use a VPN years ago, you'd have to like configure it and some things wouldn't work through it and sometimes it would work and then you'd have to pick a server and it would be like, oh my gosh, this is just a complete nightmare. Just forget it. I'm just not going to use it. Yeah. But with ExpressVPN, it truly is like three clicks. I mean, you fire up the app and I mean, of course you log in, you fire up the app and you pick your server and then you click this button that says connect. Bingo, nice, right? Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that you can put a VPN on the router. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so one of the nice things about putting um, a VPN uh, on the router is that you, again, it relieves um, a lot of the almost, I wouldn't say stress of using a VPN, but knowing that, well, my phone's really protected, but is my desktop protected? And how have I got it running on my Mac? And what about all my other devices that are sitting around my house? I mean, you know, some devices you can't put a VPN on, like a lot of games consoles, for example. Um, but when you have um, a router, you can run ExpressVPN on that. And then any sort of traffic that comes to the router, wherever it's coming from, um, you know, will, will be protected. And that gives you that, um, that, that safety net, that the comfort of knowing that when I turn this button on on the router, everything that comes through my network is, is, is being secured. It's being sent to the VPN. Um, and it doesn't, there's nothing the individual um, app on your phone or the games console that you left on overnight. Um, there's nothing that it can do to kind of break out of that. There's nothing that it can actually touch because it's, you know, one hop down network, so to speak. Which is, you know, it, which is one of the great things about ExpressVPN. It truly is. So, um, you mentioned the technology that ExpressVPN is using to make sure that everything is super fast and it's secure. Yeah. And but what we haven't talked about is how ExpressVPN just simply cannot track you and your data. Yep. Um, and this is something that uh, I think is really important. The the people that work on this and design this, um, this isn't. A job for us. This is what we're really passionate about. This is what gets us up in the morning. This is why we we, we do what we do. Um, and it's not enough for us to be able to say, well, you know, um, we can't track a, a customer. It's also, well, we want to design it so that we couldn't possibly track a customer. Like it's not just something we don't do. It's something we can't do. And so it we design everything with with um, that in mind. Anything that could possibly identify you know, anyone we consider um, like, a, like a toxic asset. Um, and we, we not only do we not keep it, we design things specifically so that we can't even see them. 
and then we can't even be like compelled or you know even if we were interested for some reason um we can't do it um this does make life for us quite difficult if you imagine you know um there's some issue that we want to go and, and debug maybe a server is having you know a bad day it's very difficult for us to do anything like that because you know, normally in that case, you'd go look at the logs and you'd see, you know, what the server's up to and you go, ah, oh, it's doing that. This is what I need to do to fix it. We don't have logs. And not only do we not have logs, all of the apps are um, configured not to log. And any of the apps that we use in our infrastructure that are a little too chatty, maybe they're a bit older or they're not, you know, following the same sort of standards, um, we actually alter them so that, you know, we remove their ability to log. <laughs> and we have various um, levels of this thing. So if it gets past that, the thing that it goes to doesn't log and the thing behind that doesn't log. You know so what, you're right. We, that must make your life incredibly difficult when you're trying to troubleshoot something. Really, seriously. I mean, you can't go back and say, here's where it broke. Yep. And often we can't even say, well, where is it not working right now? Because, you know, we can't see it. Um, we We don't know... You know who's connected to a particular VPN. We don't know where they're connected from, so we can even do things like, oh, you know, the link to the US is slow, or the link to Europe is slow, because we can't tell where people are coming from. So we can't even do that sort of stuff. So we've actually developed a lot of um, techniques um, out of necessity, really, to allow us to to do this sort of debugging from uh, outside the server, because we simply can't do it from inside the server. Um, and this is very valuable to, for, for our customers because, you know, like we can't change that for, for any reason. We, we can't be compelled to hand over information or discuss information or capture information because like, we, we simply don't have it. Yeah. So what, um, was, that, what the, was that conversation like, Pete, when, when all you and, and all of the, the guys and gals on your team on the engineering side said, all right, so we're going to build this so we can't track what they do. And and I'm sure there was somebody who said, wait a minute, uh, are you sure this is a really good idea? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there was somebody in that room that was questioning whether or not this was a, a good, uh, I should say, a, a good idea from a revenue production development standpoint, right? Uh, definitely. I mean, like we, we always encourage, um, you know, devil's advocate. So even though we're all, you know, very big on privacy and, you know, we live and breathe that, um, we've also got to consider, you know, all the angles because, you know, maybe we've missed something. Um, but at the end of the day, even, even though, you know, a VPN that were, was potentially to look at your, your stuff or was to do things like that, um, I, I don't think they would be your VPN for very long. Right. I don't think right? so. I because don't think it, so either. Because it, I mean, eventually something will go wrong, right? Something will link, leak, something will be left behind. Um, it's just the way the universe works. And part of the beauty of, for example, trusted server is it's all in memory. So if someone pulls out the plug to take the server away, it, it's gone. There's nothing on it. Um, that also makes debugging surprisingly difficult, but we value the trust of, of our customers and we, we, we take that very seriously. And so because that's our focus, we continue to try and push forward by, you know, creating new technologies and, you know, doing, you know, the right thing, 
sure um and, and trusting that doing the right thing by our customers is is the right thing to do and the, the best way to build you know build the brand well i'll, I'll tell you i express vpn i used it before you guys were even a sponsor and because i i just i i tried the product i researched the product obviously i mean if i'm going to put a vpn on my stuff i'm going to make sure that it's 100 percent legit and i still can't believe that people will will send me notes in, on on social or in my email or whatever it is that that uh that you know i i'm not going to pay for a vpn i'm just going to use a free one i'm like are you just you're just nuts i mean it's just you know how many times can we we can uh we can beat that drum that the the free vpns are they're free okay because they are like you mentioned already pete they they're doing a whole bunch of probably unscrupulous things maybe you're not aware of then maybe they divulged it in the terms and conditions but you know speaking of this this trusted service is really important to me and i know it is for for a lot of folks who are listening that that anything that you put through this vpn it's not going to be tracked you know it's not going to uh, be stored in some database. It's not going to be another data collection point. And so for just a few bucks a month, you know that all of your data still remains yours. Uh, you're not going to be slowed down. And it's super easy to use. Um, and is there is there anything else I'm missing? I think it really gives you the, the sense of... Um safety right i mean for you know um when my mom was um you know using a vpn like it just felt nice knowing that she was using that that um she, i didn't have to worry about a whole host of what to me would be you know or to most people would be obvious challenges you know i mean my mom was my mom like if, if thing popped up and said oh this is an update you need she'd say okay sure <laughs> why not <laughs> yes. that had always been the case i mean there's an update i must install it um and I had the same thing for my grandfather. I, I set up a, a, um, a Mac for him. And um, when I went to fix the laptop one day, um, like the desktop was covered with random Windows executables that he'd downloaded. Um, <laughs> most likely clicking on links saying, you sure. need this update or you've got a virus, click me now. And, you know, this is going back like, you know, five or 10 years. Things are a lot more sophisticated today. Um, and a lot of those things involve, you know, looking at what you're doing online so having this kind of in place it's a bit of it's a breath of fresh air you know obviously you shouldn't relax your guard entirely but you know it gives you that nice sense that someone's got your back that there's you know you've done due diligence you've got the thing in place you you know you know what you're doing um and you're, you know your privacy is being returned to you which is just fabulous and so, folks, if you want to try ExpressVPN, you get a three-month free trial with a one-year package by going to expressvpn.com slash cam. Once again, that's expressvpn.com slash cam. Pete, thanks for being no here. You got it.